0: This episode of the Word Bros Podcast is brought to you by Creative Contract Consulting. Creative Contract Consulting.com. Right, go ahead and talk. Mm-hmm. Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. No. Do it. No. Do it. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> You're
1: listening the to the Workflows podcast. podcast. The
2: Welcome to another fine podcast adventure with your two
0: podcast hosts. I'm Kevin. I'm Bob. who Who do we have on this week, Kevin? Who's our very special guest?
2: It is Pat Shand on the Ooh. Word Bros podcast today. And he, Pat Shand be dropping the hotness on the podcast.
0: He's got that new Kickstarter out for Destiny New York Volume 5. There are five volumes of this thing and you can get all five of them right now on Kickstarter. We're very excited to talk to, to Mr. Pat Shand because you know what, man? There's a lot of people I like in comics and Pat is damn near at the top of that list.
2: He he damn he damn near is. So why don't we get to talk to Pat instead of talking to each other?
1: Well said. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm this inter- this interview is off to a rousing start
3: <laughs> Yeah, my, um, my microphone has this little button that's physically on it I think I might have tapped it with my titty, you know oh, I feel that, that yeah. means Sometimes you'd be titty tapping So
0: Pat, yeah. you have your Kickstarter now Destiny New York Volume 5 is on Kickstarter right now I feel like doing this about your Kickstarter is kind of silly Because you funded it in one day, you son of a bitch
3: Yeah, well dude, I, I, I need more, you know I, I definitely yeah. need more <laughs> um. Yeah, the thing about kickstarting kickstarting these books is that Destiny New York is a thick boy, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I ask for the same amount, pretty much, for smaller books, just because I desperately want Destiny New York to keep going. So my thought is always that I need this amount, and if I will need more, so I'll, I'll put into it if I can't get it. So thankfully, we are getting it. So there we that's go. awesome yeah. yeah
0: dude i'm so happy for you man because you're one of my favorite dudes in comics you're one of my favorite dudes just in general i love oh, you man oh you're you're a good guy you're you already know that yeah, you you're, know that you're one of our favorites you're a talented <laughs> dude you're fun to talk to you're just like i could just bs with you just for no reason it's fucking great man so yeah when i saw that you were funded already i was so happy for you man so i congrats.
3: was very surprised um, yeah no just, shit right pretty intense first day. i mean it's uh, th- this is campaign 20 for me, and this is the biggest first day I've ever had by a huge margin. 20?
1: <clears throat> yeah.
0: 20? Yeah. You've done 20? 20 of- Kickstarters? Yeah, I wow. do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, now, Destiny New York, this is volume five of Destiny New York, and that book has just existed on Kickstarter? Like, that's how the whole volume, that's how every volume has been made, is through Kickstarter?
3: Yeah, I... Um, that's awesome. Yeah, first ever Kickstarter that I did was volume one back in 2016 this is the fifth anniversary and i'll probably do um some kind of small campaign for our fifth anniversary this year it's going to be in september i'm thinking about maybe doing a small art book you know oh that's Um, cool yeah yeah so just to celebrate that because it's been you know that one showed me that i can kind of take my career into my own hands and do my own thing um yeah it, it changed everything for me
0: now, because before you started doing Destiny New York, just a bit of history about your career, you yeah. had worked for Xenoscope for a really long time, right?
3: Yeah, for years. Um, for years. And I was like, I, I was known for a long time as the Xenoscope guy. And really? That's, yeah, because I, um, I got that gig as staff writer really soon into my career. Mm-hmm. I had written for um, IDW, I wrote Angel. And then I did a few scattered gigs for Xenoscope. At the same time, I was writing for Big Dog Inc and, you know, doing prose stuff. And then um, the summer after I got my first gig, this is back in 2012, I um, signed on to write Robin Hood for Xenoscope. And after I wrote issue one, um, I was asked to be a staff writer full time. That's Um, cool. Yeah, so that was really, really early in my career. So I hadn't really established myself as like Pat Shand as far as my own creations. And yeah, even then all of my creator-owned pitches, everything, uh, Zenoscope had the right of first refusal to to everything, you know? Okay. Um, So anything that I would do would go through them. So I was seen for so long, you know, as like a voice of Zenoscope. So doing this really helped me, find my own voice and um you know make my own way in comics and actually funny enough it also helped me go come back to zenoscope because now i feel i can just write for zenoscope as, as a freelancer and have fun and not worry about like being seen as a guy who only does one thing you know mm-hmm.
0: now now there is and i've heard you talk about this in the past but i want our listeners to hear you talk about this too there is that reputation that zenoscope has like oh these are just tna books yeah. but you're very much on the soapbox saying like no that's not the case at all correct
3: yeah that's wrong and i mm-hmm. you know i used to push back mad hard against that <laughs> <laughs> you no way <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like I, I would even like say for example um when the robin hood ongoing series came out um it was my uh, like 17th or 18th issue on Robin Hood and we were first now going ongoing. And I was very excited because I felt like um, for a while I had been doing the kind of book that the industry was saying, why don't we have more of this kind of book? Yeah. And, my, and, and my reaction was, no, we do. You just don't look here for it. Yes. So I was very vocal about you know pushing that and, and trying to see if people can give it a chance. Okay. But now I more feel like if you don't know already, that's your fault, dude. You know, it's like, Xenoscope yeah. has been doing, um, like, the, the TNA covers, yeah, they do those mostly for convention exclusives and for, like, the C cover. But they do, you know, like, narrative-driven covers for, for every issue. So, the, 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 the idea that we're in this comics industry and, that, and, and people have written them off for so long is crazy to me. And it's more, you know... I find it more more the fault of the people writing them off than Zenoscope. I okay. think that Zen- Zenoscope does what they're supposed to do, um, and
2: that sell but, books.
3: Right. Yeah, it yeah, sell books, and they, you know, they they don't only do, or they don't even mostly do what people kind of like rope them into this one thing for. They're they're a very very diverse company, and they have outside of Marvel and DC, they they have the longest running, most intricate connected universe really in comics mm-hmm. period yeah yeah they almost every uh comic ties into this connected universe the grim universe um they, they've had multiple titles go for over 75 issues it's um yeah, they, they are what many people in the traditional comics comics industry don't don't think they are okay and, mm-hmm. and if they gave those books a chance that they'd be very surprised
0: because the 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 perception is it's just tits and ass like that's all it is
3: yeah 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 yeah
2: and and it's good that you that you're helping to like uh destroy some of those uh disillusions people may have about zenoscope because i won't lie and say that i thought until you said that i kind of was like oh those books are tna books like that's what the thing is but but it's like you said on me because i didn't look any further than that i just said oh well that's what that is
3: yeah yeah and two you know if you um even if you get a cover that has the element and again, like I'd say not, not, not even most do, but just the, the interior artists, nothing like that. You know, it's just, yeah. it's, they tell horror stories. They, they do superhero stuff. Um, It's just, yeah, it's a very, very diverse slate. That's
0: interesting. So, so you got your start there and then you started, you said you found your own voice in 2016 and destiny, New York was the first kind of, Uh, it was the first thing that you felt that was really yours that you could use your voice. Tell the listeners, because you're in volume
3: five now. So explain to the people what the world of destiny, New York is. All right. So destiny, New York, it is, um, it's an ongoing comic book series about a girl who had a prophecy made about her when she was young. She completes her destiny when she's just 13 and now she's in her early thirties trying to find life after destiny Um, It's a romance that's set in a world uh, where magic is a real and normal part of life. Uh, She falls in love with um, someone who is the last surviving member of of a mystical crime family. And um, and yeah, from that point on, we meet all the different characters of the world. We um, uh, spend time with them. And I I like to think of it as sort of like uh, Strangers in Paradise meets Harry Potter meets The Sopranos.
0: Okay, that's that's a good description, man. That's a lot of good things that people like there, Pat Shan. No wonder That's why you're funded in one day, Mister <laughs> Strangers in Paradise, Sopranos, fucking Harry Potter. That's amazing. I yeah. do what I do, you know. Look at, look at, look, look, look at Ginger Nas just spitting the truth. But like, bitch, what you expect me to do? I'm hot, son.
3: <laughs> you know what's funny though is, um, I it doesn't come natural to me to, to speak in those marketing terms. You know, yeah. Like, um, the reason that. I could do it more easily here now. Is just like we're like talking and shooting the shit. Pod- podcasts, I-, I find that I'm much more comfortable. But dude, when I'm doing the Kickstarter videos, the shit that I just said, it would take me like 45 minutes to get a good take of that because <laughs> I just I hate that, it.
0: That's yeah. so nice to hear, though, because I feel like as a as a creative team, Kevin and I can bullshit until the cows come home. Like we literally can, if you ask us about our idea, we'll poke and prod and we'll tell you exactly what it is. But you put me in front of a computer and you have me write, it's like this and that. I just can't do it. Like I just can't. It's just, it's a really difficult skill. And the guys and gals that can, I feel like it's, they have a different skill set that I have. It's almost like writing a pitch document or writing things of that nature. It's like a sales document almost.
3: It is, and also there's this. I'm not sure if this is like a mean thing to say, but I mean it. <laughs> <laughs> oh no shit! Should I? Like, dump?
0: I'm, I'm getting ready to dump out of the Twitch feed. Just give me a minute. All right, go, go ahead. You good? You look you know, like a
3: mad scientist. No one will
2: recognize you. Bob. <laughs> <laughs> you look like you just brought a creature to life in the back room. You're
0: good. <laughs> <laughs> there, I
3: look there like Helen some... Bonham Carter. <laughs> there are some creators that market in that way so much I see them more as a marketer than an artist.
2: okay, that okay. Makes sense. I can see that, that makes sense yeah
3: and I I don't want one I don't want to come off that way. Two, I feel like when you lean a bit too hard into that aspect, it becomes less helpful you know yeah um, so yeah, I try to like. I think that things like this help more. Um, the comics industry hasn't really, you know, I, I feel like we're always like ten years behind the rest of pop culture. We haven't as, as an industry, really embraced podcasts as much as other entertainment I- industries go. So, I find myself more comfortable doing things like this. So, I think that I'm gonna be sitting fucking pretty in about ten years. <laughs> well, well the comics industry catches up, you know? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, as far as like the old school marketing things go, I I struggle. I, I do.
0: Well, it's uh, it's it's a hard skill to have. Like, Kevin, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're good. I, I think it's, I find it hard to believe, though,
2: because like, like Bob said, your Kickstarter funded in a day. And like, so you obviously have figured out how to market the thing. But are you saying that, that took time? Or are you saying like, it just... It just came to you one day like out of the blue
3: uh yeah it's it, it took time for sure because i feel like in some ways you know the p- part of the reason that this did so well is because when, when the campaign launches i've already been sending updates to multiple campaigns people, yeah. people know what's coming yeah. I, yeah. as soon as i started i had a pre-written message that i sent to people who had just bad volume for last year you know um uh, one thing that changed this year, which I think that might be responsible for uh, for why this campaign is doing better than the last campaign, the Volume Four, is that um, there was less of a gap between uh, people getting Volume Four and this launching. Generally, I I didn't plan Kickstarters around um, you know that pattern. Get the book, launch the next Kickstarter. What I would do is, you, you know, Bob. I think that you mentioned this before, or it could have been you, Kevin. That you you received a, a a package from me, and in the package you had a card with the date for the next Kickstarter. That was the that was the coolest thing it was, I've ever it was Bob. seen.
2: Bob. Yeah, he loved it.
3: So yeah, that yeah. that I would always do. Um, but what I did not do was plan. kickstarter so far in advance that i'd be able to launch it at the time that people had just gotten their books Mm -hmm. because you know one thing that we don't discuss as kickstarter uh creators is how how much of an estimation the uh delivery date is because we are beholden to printers Mm -hmm. printers not only printers but printers Rates where we hold into, um, I mean, right now, postage, ship getting, the posted, ship getting stuck
0: yeah. in the Suez Canal, like that, yeah. buck up your Kickstarter, you know, all
3: that kind of stuff. Like, right now, uh, Cherry Gilbert Necromancer is in the country, but it's in customs. And dude, I would love to be able to send that book while this is currently up because if it is, that means that people got volume four about half a month ago, yeah, and then. Mm-hmm about two weeks from now they'll get that book that would be crazy for marketing you know yeah, yeah. Um, but there's no guarantee you know because the printer doesn't know when they're going to give it up it's just on a boat at customs has been since may 26th you know <laughs> That's us just <it. laughs>
0: so you print all your stuff in china then yeah that's yeah. cool okay do you go ahead go ahead i'm sorry
3: I shouldn't say all right now. I'm on a trend where I'm doing most there, you okay. know, because um, I just ask print lore, who's my printer, uh, what, you know, what the best location is. I have in the past used Taiwan. And when I needed a book shipped quicker, I've used Canada or when a book has a light order, like for example, Clonster's volume two, that book was a 60 pager and the order was a bit lighter than Mm -hmm. other orders. So just the amount of difference between that, the, the weight of the package made Canada, which is usually much more expensive, it made that into the cheaper option for us.
0: Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And I think I want to say that's how we were introduced. I think White Silva introduced us because you were running the Closters Kickstarter and it was like your first all-ages thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I had run an all-ages campaign and we were talking about strategies for all-ages stuff. And I looked at your – your because everybody does. I, like, I Googled you. I looked at your Kickstarter. I was like, this dude has like – 10 was like what's he talking to me for i ran one you know 1500 hundred dollar kids book campaign and we talked and that's kind of where we we first crossed paths but I, I find it interesting that even you being a kickstarter veteran would go to someone for advice about running a kickstarter now if i'm a new creator and i've never run a kickstarter before and i come to you say hey pat shan i see you're having all this success on kickstarter give me one piece of advice for me as a new creator on Kickstarter. You know, my, Pat's got more than yeah. one piece of advice. I just want one. The baby just No, but he got to give I, you more than he one. to give us all the secrets and I ain't expecting that. You know, yeah. a magician ain't <laughs> going to tell you how he does the tricks. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not <laughs> that's not the business.
3: Well, uh, I will say this. Um, my answer this year will change to my answer next year. Because <laughs> <laughs> what happens with what, what I've done? Like, for example, in the past, like say five years ago, the uh the the, the message that i would get most commonly has changed over the, the course of my career at first the message was how did you get angel how can i get that and yeah. then it, it became oh you work for xenoscope can you get me a job there and then it became oh you um uh wrote these marvel novels can you hook me up and the answer is absolutely not you know um <laughs> I, that, that's always so strange to me like i've done four marvel novels don't you think I want to do more instead of a stranger, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> and then now the most common thing that I get asked has changed from get me the gigs that you're having already. So you have less and I have more or etc. And then it has now changed to um, Kickstarter, Kickstarter advice. Um, so my main advice this year is, is that, you must study other campaigns, successful campaigns, and ones that don't fund, and learn from that. Base your rewards on what you see people buying. You can tell on the page which rewards, even on good campaigns, that worked very well. You can see which people backed rewards at higher levels. You know, you, you can see what brought people out. Yeah. And you can see how there are certain creators who are able to market in such a way. Brian Polito. Brian Polito has been able to make people want every item associated with what he does, no matter what it is. It blew my mind when I saw him as a stretch goal. This, this dude did a Lady Death balloon. <laughs> 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 this shit was a red balloon with the Lady Death logo on there And I was like wow This man is a marketing genius Because people <laughs> People want that Like what? like they get the book and they bring it home <laughs> <laughs> Like bro what? You know uh, so, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so yeah So my advice is always to just see what works. It's very much out there. It's it's out there in such a larger way than any other form of success in comics. Like, if you want to work for DC, you can't like look online and see like what emails Scott Snyder sent that worked and which ones didn't work. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that yeah, that yeah. doesn't exist. But yeah. on Kickstarter, you can really see uh, people failing and succeeding in real time. Um, And my answer next year will change to, I have a Kickstarter, a how to kickstart your graphic novel book coming out. Ooh, look at you. That's smart, right? Yeah, because people always ask me and like the answers, you know, they always want more and more and more in depth. So if you want that (laughs) in depth, dude, give give me some of that cheddar because- But i mean it makes sense that does
2: make sense because it it takes you time to to like actually impart that kind of knowledge to people it's not something you just can say it's this or that like you just said it's not one particular thing
3: yeah and it's a book that like what i'm creating is a book that i would have loved when i was first starting out because you know there's um there's things that you can change and there's also you know that there's grace in knowing what you can't change Mm -hmm. there's things like this like i couldn't have had this happen on volume two because i had fewer campaigns to help me do this yes you know so that things that i think about now wouldn't have been helpful to me earlier in my kickstarter career so as you go on and as you try more and more things different things are going to work like right now um And and also just following trends works too, as not not as far as stories go, but as far as marketing goes, like we are in what I would say is a Kickstarter bubble right now, where more people are on Kickstarter and I'm not sure how long it's going to last. So for, for, for example, like right now, I do know that if I launched prison, Witch volume three next it would smash what Prison Witch One and Two did, even though two underperformed compared to one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I can look back and see why two didn't do as well, make those changes and put it out now in this, you know, more uh, m- more fertile market, you know, and mm. see it do well. But artistically, creatively, we're not ready to do that book yet. So I just hope that when we do, it's gonna be the same situation, you know
0: right kevin and i have talked about kickstarter is doing so well right now because there's no cons and yeah the people that would normally go to cons who would normally cruise artist alley and buy books and shit from people they don't have that outlet so i think a lot of them are going to kickstarter to serve as a virtual artist alley if you will
3: yeah it's that it's um some people are still scared to leave the house you know yeah Um, Uh, stoop kids afraid to leave stoop you know
0: yeah Um, now how much how much of the scott schneider keanu reeves how much of that crowd being on kickstarter do you think has expanded the base that we're seeing now
3: i think that if we were to if we were to break it down into that and other reasons i group other reasons as 15 percent and them as 85 percent okay
0: makes sense because yeah. I mean, there were some big names on Kickstarter last year. Ed Brisson was on Kickstarter. Who's kickstarted books in the past, but I mean, Brisson works for Marvel. I mean, Scott Schneider is Mr. Batman. I mean, there were some really heavy hitters last year making books yeah. on Kickstarter. I think that brought a lot of people to the dance that wouldn't have been there normally, right?
3: I, I agree. I put it um squarely on the shoulders though. Of I'd say it's it's Scott, it's Keanu and it's companies. That That's what I think. Okay, I, I think that those guys, you know, people were acting like such like whiny little idiots about Keanu, dude. It's like, bro, take it easy. Everything's gonna be okay, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Like, like, like. So, some people, I've said this before, but they, they, they put the struggle. Of their own Kickstarter solely at the feet of of Mr. Keanu Reeves, dude. You know, <laughs> and, and it's like nah, people aren't not buying your book because of the guy who starred in Bill and Ted. That, that, that's not what's happening. What's happening is that your book, you don't even know, is doing better than it would have because of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and maybe the book just wasn't that good of an idea. to make, You know, <laughs> but
0: that's that's a hard truth to kind of wake up to and live with and it's always easier to blame someone else than it is to just be like well maybe my shit's whack
3: yeah like maybe like maybe don't do a book that looks like every other book in the comic shop you know? <laughs> you, know, bro, you know
0: but you seem to have carved out a nice little niche for yourself like doing these i don't want to call them like like soap opera romance books but i mean is it okay to call them that or is that kind of cheapening what you're doing
3: no, no, I, I think that, you know, definitely romance. And there's like, you know, we just uh, we, we as like Americans have have a sort of negative definition of soap. But what that really is is just an ongoing continuing narrative. You mm-hmm. know? Yes, exactly. And that is that's the truth of what I do. What, what you said is literally what I do in Destiny, New York. And in some ways, Prison Witch Prison Witch is a bit more of like a bit more of a thriller aspect to it, you know. Um, but yeah, certainly for destiny New York and and some of the spin-offs. Um, but yeah, I also that isn't like all I want to do. I want to um that's what I think has done the best for me, but there's other things I want to try too like um I have a crime horror book coming out later on this year that's going to like you know, it, it's going to be a test and it's going to be very different from what i've done so far but i'm just i'm interested to see how how many people are ready for that from me because like i don't you know um part of the reason that such so much of what i do on kickstarter can be grouped together is because i'm building a universe so with gangster as barista even though that's a crime comedy book smoke we see the future that that's a comedy book um Cherry Gilbert Necromancer is fantasy horror, um, but they have elements of Destiny New York because they're all in the same universe as Destiny New York, New York, you know? Yeah. Um, so w- when I break off from that, it's going to be something that is, you know, it's going to be a trial for me t- to see if people want that.
2: So when it comes to writing uh, something that's uh, romance or genre specific, because you've done all kinds of work across the board, you yeah. said, you know, the Zenoscope, Angel, Like, is there any particular way that you, that you like prepare to write those sort of things versus like your romance, um, like world building stuff versus your crime horror stuff? Like, is there different ways you prepare to do that or Um, what's that look like to you?
3: (laughs) Man. I was gonna say something that that was a joke, but I can't say it. You can um, say it. <laughs> no, I, I, I really can't say it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a joke about how how I write uh thirsty, which I can't say. <laughs> but but all right. So, um in New York. Uh, I I guess I just like. You guys hear that? Yeah, yeah,
0: what was that? Was that a ghost? You got a ghost or something, Pat?
3: It, it was my Pokemon Gardevoir coin dropping. <laughs> um, imagine in uh, No Country for Old Men, the uh, coin toss scene. <laughs> he comes <in> <laughs> <other> <laughs> <time>. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>! <laughs> All right, so um, I guess like, it does depend how I feel. Like, honestly, uh, Thirsty, which is... Uh, literary erotica, it's hard to write because it's just it's hard to write because I have to take into account certain things. It it has to be certain stories are funny. They all have to be sexy because, you know, and and they all also have to get to a point when you really only only spent 10 to 13 pages with the characters. So that I need like full concentration on. There are other stories that, you know, it's less about mood and more about um, time and my workload. Um, some stories I can really chip away at destiny, New York. I like to do in, in big chunks because you know, it's a bit of an emotional ride. Yeah. And, um, and I think a lot about it beforehand. So when, when I write, it's just a very, um, it, it's just very intensive. Like there, there, there are some scenes that flow, but, other scenes where I'll spend a very long time on on one page and just figuring out the beats of one page. Whereas that isn't true of my other writing. Usually I will, you know, I'll uh, break down a, a chapter of a graphic novel into pages. I'll break down what happens on each page, and then I'll do panels with, with some suggestion of dialogue. And if it's thirsty, I'll send that off to the artist and do, do the dialogue later. Um, if it's like Prison Witch or a freelance work, I'll do the dialogue before the artist sees. And, you know, I'll do that last. With Destiny New York, I build each page panel by panel and do it all as if it's happening in real time. And yeah, it, it just takes a much longer time. That's interesting. So yeah, it's more about time than, you know, preparing for a certain genre yeah mm-hmm.
0: now so you're building this this destiny new york universe with prison witch and gangster ass barista and what's the other one uh, garbage girl
3: uh, well, all right. So is Garbage Girl in the world?
0: Because it doesn't no, matter. No. Okay. Because my question is, though, like if if a writer came to you and said, hey, man, I got a really cool idea for Gangster Ass Barista. Can I do like an issue? Would you say, yeah, sure. Why not? Or is this your sandbox that you're playing in?
3: Oh, uh, that's rough. Because, I mean, my my knee jerk response is absolutely not, you know, but <laughs> but you know I have invited writers on to do short stories with me um you know, Destiny New York, it always ends with a bonus chapter, yeah, and um you know it used to be a bit more free range, like um we we would have for volume two, for instance, I would reach out to people and and I would ask them, uh, you know which characters do you like, what stories?" Would you be interested in telling? If if you can share some ideas with me, we'll pick one and go from there. Um, And that I found made for some good stories, uh, but it it also led to a final chapter that in some ways didn't always connect with the whole narrative of the book. That makes sense. Yeah. So now what I do is, you know, there are some writers who I've still done that with. Like I, I remember in volume five, uh, Joe Carallo, no, for volume four, uh, Joe Carallo pitched an idea for Anthony and Trinity, a short story about them. And um, what what I've been doing for those kind of stories where it stands alone is I'll come in at the end and I'll, I'll co-write the story and I'll write a tag at the end that will kind of like lead into their arc for the next volume. Um, so yeah, I, I'm definitely interested in hearing what writers have to say if i reach out to them but, mm-hmm. but as far as like a cold reach out no it, it's not like a universe open to interpretation it is it, it's all like my creator own vision you know yeah no i feel you yeah
0: that's interesting i i, I dig it because um because yeah, i know erica schultz has done some stuff with you in the past in the destiny new york world right yeah like, yeah hers so. is
3: one of the best ones her yeah, well hers, she's
0: well i mean she's fucking amazing
3: yeah her story she 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 wrote that and Natasha Altarisi drew that. Oh. And that's a story that visually I've uh, referenced in flashback scenes multiple times. That's cool. Um, yeah, because it it was, um, you know, we worked together to make that into a, a fundamental building block for, you know, for the, the characters that involved, Song and Lilith, you know? And, um, oh, I I do want to say, though, just, just you know, this might be pedantic, but, but just so no one who reads it gets confused, uh, prison, which is, is a separate universe though. Okay. Just, sure. just, just because the, the magic functions di- differently there, you know?
0: Okay. That makes sense. I'm down with yeah. that. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, so you've got that you just finished. Cause I mean, the way you're rolling these things out because you just finished with smoke, Weed, see the future. Cause you launched that 420. Um, you, that was gangbusters. You've got this Kickstarter. Now that's gangbusters. Like what's next on the horizon for you? Do you have another Kickstarter that you're ready to roll out and, if that's the case are these books finished before they hit the before they before the next kickstarter hits or are they still in production and you're making them as you go
3: Oh still in production yeah um, okay okay the way that I do it is that um I always want to be in the process of um prepping one fulfilling one and funding one okay. so for for example right now um uh during smoke we see the future is when we were preparing to receive orders uh, for Destiny New York 4 and Prison Witch 2. Once Smoke, We See the Future ended, we shifted our full focus to mailing those copies out. Once those were out, we we began this. Once this is going, hopefully we'll be sending Cherry Gilbert. And then once Cherry Gilbert is sent, I'll send Thirsty and Vampire Emmy to print. And then so on and so on and so on. That's so crazy. people will always be getting something from us, and always have a new thing to back from us.
0: That's awesome. It's a super way to do that. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, know. you're just keeping the line rolling. Now, does this this initial? I'll ask you that later because I'll. That's. I don't think it's anybody's business. But yeah, man. I mean, wait, 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 Hold on, no. No, no, no. It's it's Go it's. I'll, I'll ask later. It's not a big deal. Okay, okay. Um, but it's just I, it's impressive to me just to listen to because I mean running a Kickstarter is. Is is overwhelming and just and pressure, but if you're running one every three months and you're continuing to build your audience, there's a lot less pressure on that because you're just like, "Fucking
3: this thing's gonna fund, right?" Uh, you know, you can I, say it. Come on. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> sometimes, like for example, uh, "Smoke we See the Future," right? We had you had uh, to know that was gonna
0: fund. I mean, you that's had one to. we
3: knew for sure. Yeah, like, we <laughs> had "Gen uh, Saint Ange" cover and interiors, and we had y- Yishan Lee interiors. That, you know, yeah. that plus the concept, plus it having the fan base of Destiny already, no-brainer, you know? Mm. Um, volume 5, I mean, I would have been shocked if it didn't fund, but I will say this, though. This might surprise people. Um, When I went to launch the, the campaign, I felt an itch to change the goal from 15 to
2: 13.5 okay okay.
3: and I thought nah fucking 13 is a bad number and then I launched it so in the last moment even though I funded I mean not just if you count the spinoffs it's half of what I've kickstarted so even then I do think like what if it doesn't fucking fund dude like that would be crazy you know
2: yeah. Well, then the well, other yeah. question, the other thing is, you don't have like a team of people there helping you get the kickstarters together. So that's why it's super impressive what Bob said. Like, I think people need to understand it's just you and your and your wife Amy that that put all this stuff together and ship it out and do all that stuff, right? You guys do all yeah. that work. Yeah, it's that's crazy.
3: Us, it's us, but we also do have Shannon Lee, uh, who who is the editor. the The <laughs> one thing that's been kind of rough with um with the the pandemic is that Shannon hasn't really been able to come over you know yeah. uh, but now uh we're all you know I get my second dose tomorrow
0: nice um, nice yeah. what team are you on dude you Pfizer or uh or Johnson yeah. and Johnson Moderna, Moderna where are you at
3: I'm I'm it up
0: dude yeah me too son <laughs> uh, my wife had a really bad reaction to the second one I just breezed right through it no problem stephanie stephanie was in bed for like a day afterwards so I'm, just I'm worried Yeah. Yeah. But again, I I was fine. Like I got the shot. I sat here and did a video conference with some agent dude that Kevin hooked me up with. And it was, it was straight. Like I was great, but (laughs) Stephanie was not great, which I felt really bad for. So.
3: Yeah. You know, I, um, I was worried and like, I wish that I could be one of those people who like, you know, dude, I saw people on Twitter, I got my vaccine and I was so relieved I could have cried and I'm like, I'm, I'm scared now wasn't before now i'm scared (laughs) because like with covid i knew fucking how not to get sick
0: just stay home right yeah Yeah. and if you had and if you had to go out wear a fucking mask and you already
2: and you already had hello fresh so you was ready pat you had you had to like you was like hit that marketing up you was you was good
3: (laughs) you guys you guys i i I gotta tell you something Uh (laughs) uh-oh uh-oh I've left hello fresh
0: what oh no you were like the unofficial spokesperson yeah, of hello you... fresh what happened? what are you doing now? Hello fresh did you did you wrong, didn't they that's what happened. i I noticed you get some bad halibut or something
2: <laughs>
0: hello, less, hello less than fresh
3: <laughs> I noticed what I would you know I don't want to say scam
1: Uh-oh? oh
3: but I noticed something. I noticed that the longer I spent. Paying HelloFresh that fucking WAP, right? Oh my god! <laughs> I noticed that every month the recipes got more and more limited. Really? That, yeah, I was receiving, like, you know, for, for those who aren't initiated, when you <laughs> sign up for HelloFresh, they give you a selection of meals every week, and you can pick, you know, you, you, you either select to have two, three, or you can add one more for like a hundred more thousand dollars, you know, Uh, (laughs) it doesn't get pretty expensive, but I felt that, you know, it coming to the door was great. It was useful. And what they would do is you'd receive the, the food and you'd also receive a recipe card. Right. Yes. Yes. And I thought that, Oh, we're getting all this food, all these new recipes. This is great. Well, when you've been on it for more than a year, it begins to be the same fucking recipes ah, over and over. So, okay. so I was like, "Bitch, I have all these already," you know. Yeah, but like, but like, <laughs> I don't know if that's Hello Fresh's fault. But I mean, that
0: I mean, I guess they could delve deeper. But I mean, you—if you're on Hello Fresh for a year, that's a lot of fucking
3: meals, man. Let's switch it up, dude. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Like but how maybe, many times, like, am I gonna make the shallot sauce? You know? But maybe that's <laughs> up
0: to you. That it's like those people that. That have Netflix for two months and then they switch to Hulu for two months and then they switch to Disney Plus for two months and just oh, watch yeah. all those uh-huh. shows. Maybe like bounce around because there's that one where they sell like the mutant vegetables or whatever I forget what it's called, but it's like <laughs> it's, it's not it's, they're not yeah. mutated vegetables, but they sell you like the the eggplant that has a bump on it or the tomato that just isn't. Oh, sure. Blue Apron, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, I don't think it's Blue Apron. It's got a different name. Um, I can't remember, but it's the weird. They got weird fruit and shit like that's not pretty <laughs> enough for the store. Doors. fuck what's it called but yeah so maybe it's best for you i like the name mutant fruit personally i, think I don't think anybody would go that way but many maybe it's best for you to kind of bounce around so it doesn't get stale you know and i mean
3: yeah i mean i feel like if their main focus is mutant fruit though they got some marketing issues you know um I'm try,
0: i wish i could remember the name of it but mutant fruit just isn't it mutant i'm gonna yeah. google mutant Fruit. mutant fruit of food service
2: so you left hello fresh did yeah you, did dude you, did, yeah. You, did you did you did you, did you, did you did you like s- sign up with a competitor now or do we have to advertise for somebody else at this
3: point? Or no, no? I, honestly, what sucks is that I left because I'm like, oh, I can't all cook this myself now. Mm, I can just stupid. buy the buy the food and cook it because, you know, the meals you, you, you already cooked. so the only really missing aspect was the actual product. So I was mm-hmm. like, all right, I'll buy it from the grocery store and, and I'll just cook it based on, on these cards. But what happened anyway is that I haven't been cooking at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. So I, I've just been ordering, 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 ordering.
0: What have you been eating a lot of lately?
3: This is place Cafe Amici and they have problems, dude. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like Don
2: Amici? Cafe Don Amici? Cafe
3: Amici, dude. Uh, Amy <laughs> loves the stuffed shells and I love their the pizza, but I ask for the pizza to be well done because sometimes it comes; it's a fucking soup. Okay. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. a problem with many Long Island pizzas is that you take out a slice, and you lift it up, and it fucking hangs like Gene Simmons' tongue. You know, like <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah. I want there to be crispness. I want to pull it away and not have it become a fucking waterfall. You know,
2: If you want yeah. your pizza to stay erect. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah dude. Yeah. I want
3: that that erect hitter. Okay, so um so yeah sometimes i know this about them so and 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 this is a situation with multiple spots but i'll say cafe amici please well done please hit my pie well done and it'll come here and you know there's a little bit of caramelization on the cheese but you fucking pick that hitter up doughy is a bitch dude (laughs) horrible
2: And, and then you got to worry about all your cheese falling off onto, onto the, onto the it, cardboard. There yeah. is
0: nothing more sad than biting into a slice of pizza and everything just flopping over it's, like it's, an old man's dog. And pizza. then all the cheese all right. slides right off. <laughs> <Yes>. That shit <laughs> sucks, dude. Yeah. Man, I feel you. I, that shit, that's the worst. Yeah. Well, I mean, my last question, I guess, before we let you go, so we've had you on for almost an hour. I don't want to keep you too too long because then I'm sure we're gonna sign off and just chit chat for a second anyway. But like you're living every creator's dream at this point. Every Wait, what? every <laughs> listen, every indie creator yeah. comes up with an idea, right? They come up with like this is what I want to do. I want to do this four-issue mini. And then yeah. as they're writing the four-issue mini, they go, Oh, this is a really cool character. I would love, I would love to do a spin-off with this guy. That's essentially what you have done that's essentially what you've created so i mean like when does it when do you feel like you've really hit it with a secondary character where it deserves its own spin-off book if you will
3: you know that's very interesting that you say that um i man it's it's nice to hear you say that that i'm living an indie creator's dream because you know it's always those kind of things where we, you know, we live in our own heads. Um, I have never thought of it that way. I've always thought that, you know, if the industry gave me more of a chance that I'd be able to really fly and to do, you know, bigger and better things. Um, but what what I have done is take what I can do, you know, and put it in my own hands and make my career that way. Um, so yeah, no, that's nice to hear one And the answer As far as, you know, when I notice That a supporting character Is ready, it's, um Magic touch, man <laughs> you No, know? um No, no, I like I mean, how you just <laughs> said that so
0: smooth Magic it's,
3: uh, I can't explain it, it's just magic You know, it comes down to So many different strange things Um, it's just a Uh a few events kind of like all firing at at different times and just coming together. Like, for example, our first one, Gangster as Barista. um, In Volume 1, Manuel Pretano, he drew this bar scene where Arvid, who is working for Song Aberdeen, he comes into the bar and he confronts Lilith. And he's backed up by this gang of motorcycle girls. And one of them, Manuel drew with these glasses, these big sunglasses and a tattoo. And for some reason she stood out to me. So in the next chapter, what I did was I, uh, the opening scene is just this like sort of like foreboding scene where we hint at what's going on with Arvid and song. And um, I wanted like a light moment there. So my thought was to have the character that Manuel drew, I named her Trinity And I had her uh, ask if Arvid could set up her to have direct deposit, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, just as like one off, like funny criminal joke, you know, Um, because she doesn't want to be seen around banks. Um, And I I gave her an accent. I I thought it'd be funny to have this character who was... um, (laughs) <laughs> who grew up like kind of like being carted around everywhere like she has you know she was born in Ireland went to Germany and then spent her teens in Queens so she has this super unique and weird accent um and then I liked her oh Chi Chi's here Yo. <laughs> hey what's up kitty cat my baby you know um so uh d- don't show all that you know um
1: <laughs> I'm
3: <on my> <laughs> all right so uh yeah I just began to really enjoy writing Trinity, and I wanted her to you know be pulled closer to the main cast so i I just began to like tell myself jokes like how funny would it be if she got a job at, at Logan's coffee shop and then I was like do do I call the chapter gangster as barista you know and and I did and then <laughs> yeah, from that point on, I was like it just struck me that that title that I called the chapter back then and trinity visually could could support a spin-off. It just she, she went from this one-off character that was you know just a background extra into a lead. Um That's cool. And then though there are characters like um uh Logan's girlfriend in volumes 3 and 4, Taylor Hart. She is a seer and in our universe seers have these big eyes that they, they resemble a night sky full of stars. Okay. And yeah. um you know, visually appealing. Um, she has a great character design and she can see the future. And in volume three, uh, she creates this strain of weed that allows regular people for a brief time to see a vision of, of their own future. So in, in her arc, you know, she, she was like just born to be a lead. She had the design for it and her main arc in the story Uh, Was something that just planted the seed For uh, you know Her own Yeah
0: now, before the last question, because I said that was going to be the last well, one, but this I is had the a last question one. too. So then, we'll just—I okay, we'll, we'll we'll just, just want to yeah. ask: What do you want to do then? Like you said, that it's—it's it's cool that I said that, and that you're working on your own thing, making your own book. But what would you like to do specifically? Like, is there a big two title you'd like to write? Do you—is do you want to have that chance? Is there something else that you want to do? Like,
3: what else? What else do you want to do, Pat? Uh, yeah, I mean that—that that I would take for sure. Um, I want. I guess I want options because there's only so much I could do on Kickstarter per year. You know? Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. I don't want to tire that audience out. Um, and I mean, like, to, to be real, for, for 11, 10 years now, I've never gotten an answer from Dark Horse. You know, I, I've never heard. <laughs> uh, like, there's so many publishers that, like, you know, that don't 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 respond and i feel that that you know i can go on about theories theories about why that is i think that there's you know there's a uh perception to to everything that we do to um my freelance work uh there's a perception that kickstarter creators get that's just now being broken i think that um scout actually has gone a long way to break the idea um that kickstarter books aren't of the same quality as direct market books i'd say i mean dude destiny new york metal shark bro white ash all kickstarter books what the fuck is better to to me to me nothing yeah to me there's no book on the direct market that can really fuck with these books they're they're not the direct market books aren't immediately at a higher level it, it It comes down to like, you know some people. Some people clout chase a lot less. Is yeah. What it
0: well, I think I think the gap between direct market books and Kickstarter books is closing quickly. And when you see yeah. a guy that we love, I love Kyle Stark. I think that guy is a fucking genius. But when you see Old Head, who a year ago he Kickstarter got picked up by Image Skybound, like I think that perception of Kickstarter being well, this is B plus material. I think that's quickly going away. And I think guys like you and Charlie, and you included us in that. So thank you but yes. i think we are and rich Dulick with his headlopper stuff and all i think the gap is closing and i think that's a good thing like that's a wonderful thing that yeah, people well, are starting to associate like hey man these books are good enough they're just trying to find their audience their own way kevin ask your question and then we'll let pat go okay the, the only question the only thing i had to say was
2: you're also doing stuff with your space between podcasts that where you talk about this kind of stuff with, with Amy. So tell people about, tell, tell people about your podcast. Cause I think it's one of my favorite things to watch. As, as oh, you, thanks you man.
3: Yeah. You know, uh, we are on hiatus with plans to come back. Um, we have, you know, we, we did a stretch where we were very guest driven. Um, and we also do, you know, we just feel it out in different ways. There was a time where I wanted to have like, you know, conversations with just like weird weird concepts that you that you wouldn't see in normal comics podcast like for example i want people to come to the podcast expecting me to talk about comics but i actually had rich on and and he talked about um not his career as a comics writer but his career as a uh, bdsm dungeon bouncer you know um, <laughs> you
0: told us that before yeah that's yeah, awesome
3: yeah dude so like that kind of shit like that yeah. things that like there's you know, just unique stories um and uh And yeah, it's uh I mean I love podcasts. I I have I have ideas from multiple podcasts. I have an idea for a sketch show too that I I keep thinking of these weird funny sketches. Um and um yeah, so maybe one day I'll do that. But yeah, I I do love this media thing, uh, where you know I feel my, my thing is this um Twitter is this toxic platform that comics creators are obsessed with. These fucking, (laughs) you know, these, these dorks and they, they will bend over backwards to take someone out of context and and to just create what they call a discourse, (laughs) you know? And, (laughs) and me through media, through podcasts, through things like this, through my podcast, I refuse to be taken out of context, you know. If if I have a point that I feel I haven't uh, articulated well, I'll fucking keep talking, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that we're in, in the situation where people are just just fucking waiting for you to slip, and I'm not slipping, dude.
0: <laughs> you're not slipping at all I mean, and if anything it seems like your your influence on kickstarter is is growing you have destiny new york you can get them through kickstarter right now on destiny new york volume five but they're also in stores with black masks so i mean your kind of empire is expanding if anything you're doing things the right way and we couldn't be happier for you because you're one of our our, our dear friends in this business granted i've met you one time but i feel like you're just a good dude we met once in cincinnati a long time ago, it was forever ago. Your mic, you turned your mic off. You Turn your mic off. Turn your mic back on. Gotta there watch those go. titties. It's all right. Um, but yeah, I feel like you're one of our good pals in this business. You're always fun to talk to. Like God. I enjoy our interactions.
3: Me too, man. Me too. Yeah, and that's um, you know, there are certain people. There are people in comics that I love, and um, but overall, I do think I, I don't want to come off as negative, but there. In some ways, it feels like a cutthroat industry, you know. And um, I refuse to participate. And I think that guys like you, who I've never seen even attempt to participate, that's why I enjoy talking to you guys. That's why I fuck with you guys. Yeah. And just, just check out this, this uh, Victini coin as well, you know.
0: <laughs> but I think, I, but I think part of that too is we all get it because it's not. I said it last night. I'll say it again. A rising tide raises all ships. Like we're not, I think I'm, not that, yeah. I'm not in competition with you. You do something very different than what we do, but we're on the same platform. And if we can help each other out and grow our audience, let's do it. Like yeah. why, why, why take yourself too seriously? Why, why, why create a static where none needs to be? Like, let's just all make books and let's have a good time. Or diminish
2: yeah. comics to the point to where we're, "Quote unquote," competing for jobs. I think that that's silly as well. Comics is yeah. huge, and and it's bigger than all of us who make them. Yeah. So for for someone to be like, "Oh, we're competing for the same piece of pie," is fucking ludicrous.
3: I totally agree. I um, you know, like when I think about it on the surface, like it makes me mad. But when I think about it a bit more deeply, I, I feel more sad about it because like I've had conversations where you know someone will ask me when I'm launching my Kickstarter, and I'll tell them. And they're like, "Oh damn, that's when mine's launching too." I'm like, why <laughs> Like, why is that bad, dude? Like, yeah, why does that matter?" That makes me think that that person doesn't get it. Like, my my backer, one, my my, my backer isn't gonna be interested in yours, and if they are, I, that's not one or the other. You know? Yeah. Like, it's not, not, they'll
2: do both. They're not gonna choose where their money. Like, they might do both for less that, that yeah. might be a possibility,
0: but they'll do both Kickstarters because I mean, they it's want. One of, yeah. But it's one of those things too, where like we can share updates and we can steer each other towards people success. we enjoy. And yeah. like, yeah, it's like everyone yeah. can succeed. Granted, there's going to be like the Charlie Stickney level of success. And then there's going to be like everybody else. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> even Charlie is behind guys like Polito and shit like that. But there are, there there is, there's enough room for everybody. And that's part of the joy, I think, of Kickstarter.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: So. So, pat thank you so much for coming on man we really appreciate it your kickstarter is live right now uh where can we find you on the kickstarter pat how do we do that
3: you can uh type in a uh, tiny destiny new york five the number five
0: there it is right there where can we find you on the social media Pat Shan? spitting those hot tiktok rhymes and all that shit
3: on social <laughs> i'm uh at pat shan everywhere twitter facebook instagram and if you go to my bio on twitter you'll see the link for destiny new york
0: there you go can't get any better than that pat it's always a pleasure say hello to amy for me because we haven't seen her i hope she's doing well and uh and we'll talk to you soon buddy sounds good stop stream nice All right, that was Pat Shan. We talked to him for like two hours afterwards, so we're tired and sleepy, so we're going to go to bed. Our Kickstarter is on. Check that out. Pat Shan's Kickstarter is on. Check that out. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more awesome podcasting excellence. Right, Kevin? Yeah, that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. You're listening to the Word Bros Podcast, thewordbros.com.